these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. Why am I here? You know the thing. What thing? Dr. William Walters, a senior medical official for the State Department, said U.S. officials were not previously informed that some of the group had tested positive for the virus. It was only after the U.S. cruise passengers disembarked and boarded buses that Japanese officials gave the update. Well, little column A, little column B. Hey, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, wherever you are, whatever you do. A lot of things happening in the world today. Most of them are far beyond our control, you might say. So perhaps it's time we took a pause and thought about life and thought about the laws of gravity, medicine, culture, science, politics, and or the news. Don't touch that dial. Let's try to hear us out for a little while. Well, what if the coronavirus, 19, turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to the planet Earth? Do you think that's even possible? We'll talk about some of that. What if, what if it was a weapons experiment that went horribly wrong? And why is it that the United States government seemingly cannot get its response to any natural disaster or potential natural disaster right? There's a reason. It might surprise you. What else is new? I'm right here. So you get a hold of us. The text machine is area code 209-565-DAVE. That's 209-565-3283. Email dave at thedavebowmanshow.com. And, of course, we're on the web. Choose your preferred non-denominational web search browser to take you to thedavebowmanshow.com or plausiblylive.com. It's the same website, two different URLs. Or just look for The Dave Bowman Show on Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes. Ego be Barry Kapoulis and Oliver Verb. I drink coffee so that others might live. Hey, Rod, how you doing? I'm good. Frantic day, but a frantic good. day. I see he's having internet issues, so that's the yeah. way it goes. And well, you know, you know, how do I get my virus update if I open my internet? <laughs> well, according to the Centers for Disease Control, just wash your hands. That's all you need to do for 20 seconds. Is that how long it is? I see. I have never yep. seen anything that said how long it was for. Okay. All I've said, all I've seen, is thoroughly wash your hands, and I don't know what that means. So it's twenty seconds. All right, great. Now I'm going to have to count to twenty, and I know I can't count to twenty seconds because uh, there's something that I regularly have to count to fifteen for, and it always turns out to be ten seconds. So anyway, <laughs> thanks for wearing that. You remember? You remember Genghis Khan? Sorry, Genghis Khan. Yeah. King, well, you don't remember him. You weren't alive then. Oh, yeah. We were buddies. Come on. <laughs> One of the most fascinating articles I read last year was that Genghis Khan, sorry, Genghis Khan, was, was responsible for something. He's being known now as the most green, hostile invader of all time. You want to take a stab, just a wild guess as to what Genghis Khan did that was so great for the earth besides depopulate that's exactly what he did he killed so many people that the earth according to the according to the samples the earth was heating up at the time in the in the early 13th century and he killed so many people that it just depopulated the land the forest came back and the earth cooled off there's no other variables in that uh, in that study that it could have been contributed to that. But I don't know if there are not. But, but Genghis Khan is being called the greenest invader in history because he killed all those people, which is fantastic if you think about it. But there you go, which is why I was bemused when I saw this little story the other day. 
NASA has released photographs of China. Satellite photographs of China showing pollution levels before the coronavirus and after the coronavirus. And it's almost like it's almost like the air pollution just completely went away in China thanks to the coronavirus. It, as you can see, those of you watching it, sure. you can see that the, the air pollution has basically moved all to Pyongyang and Seoul. Over in Korea and down, even Hong Kong has been done away with because because the the virus has essentially wiped them all out, uh, wiped out the air pollution. So, what what if it turns out that the the coronavirus nineteen is the best thing to happen to the planet for a while because China is one of the leading contributors for for global warming and for pollution, right? We're yeah. always complaining in the Central Valley about. All this pollution from China and, and San Francisco blowing into our valley, but yeah. you get the idea, right? Oh yeah. What if it's the good thing? What what if all of this is being done mm, on purpose to try and environmental warfare? <laughs> what if it was? I mean, those are the kinds of crazy uh, <clears throat> philosophy, not philosophy, crazy. Um, so what I'm looking for, theories that are going around right now, yeah. you know, the, the, the other one that bemuses me is it's it's a weapon. It's a weaponized. This this was China weaponizing coronavirus to do something. I'm not a, I'm, I, I can't get anybody to explain to me clearly what it is that they think it was going to do. Well, they're targeting the elder, elderly. <laughs> right. But doesn't Chinese that... <laughs> doesn't Chinese culture venerate the elderly? Uh, they do, I guess. I don't know. So why would they be trying to kill them then? I, I have not heard any reasoning behind any of these theories. The weaponization thing, um, I, I had a talk with one person that I'm trustworthy of in, in, in that sort of thing. His theory was that it's just a terror weapon. I mean, look at the response we've had. Sure. You know, our government is basically, it's the word, I, very Laurel and Hardy-esque in their Keystone Copish, in their handling of this. Sure. Which Marx Brothers comes to mind, which, which doesn't surprise anybody, because really think about this. When was the last time this nation had a natural disaster or the threat of a natural disaster that we actually handled? Well, I'll wait. Uh, I can't think of one. Nope. Now, Democrats are already typing their emails. Damn it, David. Obama handled the Ebola crisis perfectly. Did he? <laughs> I mean, I would submit to you that how you see what the government does with the crisis, how they're handling it, says more about you than it does about the actual yeah. handling, because I'm convinced that our government basically doesn't know how to handle anything like this. And the proof is in this coronavirus thing. I mean, it really is. Hopefully you were listening at the very beginning of the show if you weren't, listen to this little clip again from, from a Japanese news station. Dr. William Walters, a senior medical official for the State Department, said U.S. officials were not previously informed that some of the group had tested positive for the virus. It was only after the U.S. cruise passengers disembarked and boarded buses that Japanese officials gave the update. Now, what did you hear in that, Rod? I mean, you heard it. That's the second time you've heard it. What, what, what do you hear in that little news snippet there? That the U.S. government didn't have information that was kind of crucial in containing what this virus was doing from known potentially infected people. 
And why didn't they have that information? That's the question, right? Hmm. Would you, I mean, as it turns out, after 9-11, we did this big, uh, gigantic Warren report type report. The, the, the basic discovery in that report was all the information was there. All the dots were there. Sure. Nobody bothered to connect them because somebody had done something with the way the two, the, the agencies communicated with one another. And so they were forbidden to communicate with one another. And, and ultimately, we dropped the ball. I mean, we should have seen it coming, right? But we didn't, right? Yeah. Could we then take a crazy theory here that maybe we did have the information? Well, that's true. Maybe we did, and we just didn't know it. Or maybe bureaucracy got in the way. Bureaucracy could have gotten in the way. There, there, there's any number of possibilities here. But to simply say we didn't have the information does what? What? How does that? What does that do? You say, well, we didn't know. We, we the Japanese didn't give us the information. It's the. It's not my fault. <laughs> Look, we, we didn't screw it up. They, they didn't tell us. You know, if only they had told us, then we would have been able to react. But they didn't tell us. So there you go. The um, It's kind of an interesting thing. And I got a little bit ahead of myself because I wanted to talk about the virus itself and the weapons. I was talking about the weaponization, right? right? Yes. So the, the theory here is that the thing has been weaponized. You know what this thing is? Now, you can't see it. But no. uh, this is called a pangolin. And it is one of the weirdest looking things you will ever see in your life. I mean, I'm not kidding. This thing, if you didn't know how big it was, and I just told you it's that, you know, I just put that picture up there and said, Uh that thing looks horrifying. Yeah. That thing's scary. That thing really isn't that big, Um, but it's... It's it it just looks big and it looks it looks nasty. and It looks mean. It's called a pangolin. And the pangolin is one of the two suspected reserve hosts for the coronavirus 19. Okay, And guess where they happen to live, particularly that one. Guess where it lives. Guess where its main area of residency is. Take a wild guess. China. Hunan, China where it is deeply prized for its meat and its scales, because it's one of the few mammals that has scales, in Chinese traditional medicine, herbal traditional medicine. And so they have a real problem in China with these things being poached constantly. So if it happens to be the reserve host for this thing, and people are using it in medicine, what's going to (laughs) happen? Yes. I'm just a big believer in Occam's razor. And could they have been weaponizing it? Sure, they could have been, but reality is it was probably something along those lines more than anything else. And those pangolins and that coronavirus 19 have have led us into this situation now where the government is just like, and everybody's criticizing everybody, right? I mean, Donald Trump called it a fake virus, right? Yeah, he did. Except that he didn't. He (laughs) called the reaction to his reaction to the virus a fake virus. Reaction, whatever the hell that means, but the uh, the criticism of his reaction to it. And, of course, people who hate Donald Trump couldn't wait to get online and start tweeting about the fact that back when the Ebola virus was the thing, right? Remember this six years ago? Sure. And when Sean Hannity was uh, coming unglued that, that Donald Trump was right there with him. So how then does Donald Trump become president of the United States? And almost immediately we start importing Ebola patients from Africa. Oh, you didn't know we did that, did you? 
<laughs> you didn't know that. In, in, in April, March, April of 2017, in other words, just a few weeks after he became president, having tweeted that we shouldn't be bringing Ebola patients here, we brought a bunch yeah. of Ebola patients here. How does that happen? <laughs> Someone in the government said, oh, no, that's a good idea. Well, therein lies the problem, doesn't it? Therein lies the whole issue with all of this, why the government cannot get its stuff together. Baseball today announced that, Major League Baseball today announced that players are not to give autographs anymore. Yes. Or shake right. hands with, with fans because of the coronavirus, which, again, is, is a bit, in my mind, of the overreaction. Here in Washington State, we're celebrating the fact that the coronavirus testing units, which were sent out, I guess, by the Centers for Disease Control, you know what, the, the professional epidemiologists, sorry, I dropped my phone, um, they don't work. And so all these people that we keep saying have died up here of, of coronavirus, we don't actually know that they did. It's possible that they were just old and had the flu. True. We don't actually know. And so this is causing a whole mm, brouhaha up here right now about whether or not we could or not. And I asked the hypothetical question yesterday. What if what if I happen to know someone who, say, six weeks ago had a pretty good fever, a dry, nonproductive cough, felt like crap for a few days. And then, you know, because that particular hypothetical person isn't a wussy, he kept going to work because you don't not go to work for colds, right? Yeah. People still go to work. How does that person find out if it was coronavirus 19? Without starting an entire, let's just call it brouhaha, going around. You see what I'm saying? We don't know because we don't have a test. And now that hypothetical person is, I wouldn't say concerned, but he's a little weirded out by the whole thing. Let me ask you a question. Now, this is going to seem like I'm going, and also I'm going that way. But let me ask you a question because I want to get back to this. Why can't the government handle this? What is the functional professional background of every person who's running for president, who's been running for president this entire section, this entire sequence, whatever, election cycle. What is the professional background of them? Well, they've all been in public service, haven't they? Pretty much. What kind of public service? Uh, there, well, there's mayors, there's senators. Hmm. So They're politicians elected elected type people. Yes. And and for those who weren't elected officials, they were business type people, you know, Mike yeah, Bloomberg, um, in a, kind of, a, a, along that line. There's a certain element of our government that not one of these people has any experience with. Not one. The civil service. Not one of them has ever been a civil servant. Not one, right? Sure. And if they were, it was a long time ago, and they don't know, they don't remember any of it. Some years ago, Pat, the lawyer, and I both fell in love with a show called Yes, Prime Minister. Yes, Minister. Yes, Prime Minister. It was a BBC show back in the 80s, which was allegedly sarcasm, allegedly satire about the British government and the way it worked. It was said to be one of Margaret Thatcher's favorite shows. She loved to go to the tapings of the show. And if you've never seen it, it's Google hilarious. it. Is, it is a show that even today, okay, the, 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 the 80s were 40 years ago, almost. Even today, 
you will watch the show and your jaw will drop because you're not sure if they're, <laughs> it's like, wait, duh. we found out later on, we found out that in fact, many of the scripts that they used in that show were in fact being leaked by someone inside number 10 to the writers of the show. For example, there's a show where uh, the French try to sneak some puppies into England to bypass the, the, um, quarantine laws so that they can get the upper hand as George signed as George would have said on Seinfeld, they can get hand over the channel tunnel, which was still being built then because the security questions about security. Who's going to handle security? Well, if we can get a fake bomb in and some puppies in, then, then we can prove that the British security isn't up to that actually happened. We found out a few weeks ago that it was true. (laughs) Somebody was leaking all this stuff. And so you watch this show and you know, now that it's like, my God, that is how government works. And one of the primary things about this government is if you had to sink this show down into its, I don't know, basic, if you could put it in one sentence, the prime minister, Jim Hacker, said it best. It's the political will versus the administrative won't. And it doesn't matter who's in office. This is the part that, that nobody grasps. We believe politicians all the time. These politicians that we love because they're popular, they're up in front of their movie stars. They're rock stars, right? They get up and tell us what they want to do. I'm going to get up and cure cancer. I'm going to take all those guns away. I'm going to make sure that the Supreme Court does right? Yep. And depending on your political views, you, you're all right with that. And yet none of it ever happens, does it? Whether you're talking your mayor, your city council, your county council, your governors, your state assembly people, your senators, your congressmen, and your president, none of it ever happens. Why? Well, we tried, Dave. We tried to do it. We tried. (laughs) But you don't know what we know. And see, once I got in here, there were things that I didn't know when I wasn't in government that I didn't really understand, that I didn't know about. And who is it that's doing those things? Where are those things coming from? The staffers that are permanently employed. The permanent <laughs> civil servants who have been there forever and will be forever. Right? Yes. Dr. William Walters, a senior medical official for the State Department, said U.S. officials were not previously informed that... Dr. William Walter Williams, a senior medical person. Now, that sounds important, doesn't it? Sort of, yeah. What department would a senior medical person be a part of, do you think? She just told you, but but if you just heard the name Dr. Dr. Walter Williams of the United States government, where, where would you put him? What department would you think he would be a part of? Like Health and Human Services or something? Or the CDC? Or the CDC. No, he's in the State Department. Oh, well, there you go, administrative. The Directorate of Operational Medicine. Okay. Yeah. Not only that, but he's in the sub office. The sub office is the Directorate of Operational Medicine. The main office he works for is the Bureau of Medical Services for the State Department. So we have an entire department in the State Department whose entire job is to handle medical crises for the State Department. One of the things the State Department does is when Americans are overseas, it you know, they get into trouble, they get into arrest. It's the State Department that steps in and saves them, right? Yeah. So the State Department says, well, what happens if all these people get sick and there's a crisis with Ebola or 
swine flu or rheumatoid arthritis or whatever where the coronavirus 19 who is it then that steps in and goes we have to do something it's the state is it the state department or is it the president who says we're not bringing people in here who are infected with stuff don't do that he's tweeted it he said that he's made it clear that that's his position he was furious in 2017 when this same directorate brought a bunch of ebola patients in under the previous administration's policies and protocols, right? Yeah. But what did he not do? Okay. <laughs> if if protocol says we do this, and you don't like that, what do you do? You change the protocol. Except that, you know, you're busy with politics. Sure. Russia, impeachments, <laughs> World War Three. your thumbs on Twitter. Right. <laughs> World War Three is going to happen. You're killing, you're right. taking out... I mean, you're busy. You don't have time to rewrite protocols for stuff because all this stuff takes time. I know because my wife does some of it for the for what her job, right? It does. So it, it takes a lot of time to do this. So we didn't get around to it. And guess what the protocol is from the uh, Bureau of Medical Services of the State Department in the Directorate of Operational Medicine when it comes to Americans being overseas with a infectious disease. They bring them home. In a big old 74 to 7 that can be compartmentalized out. This has all been planned before. In fact, <laughs> this particular doctor has been there since 2011. <laughs> and so, all these people are tweeting about, well, President Trump, he didn't want the Ebola people in there. And I'm his mind. <laughs> Except that he didn't have anything to do with it. It's, it's automatic response to CYA, our own, our own government, and our own government's leadership that we voted for. It, again, it doesn't matter if you're talking about Bush, Reagan, Bush, the other guy, Carter. What's the other guy? Clinton, Obama. It doesn't matter because none of this is being run by them. They don't have time to do that kind of crap. They have an entire Department of State or CDC or whatever to handle all this, including screwing up the tests that they send out. Well, that's Obama. That's. That's Trump's fault because he he cut the CDC budget, don't you know? <laughs> I don't know what cutting the CDC budget has to do anything with fouling up a test. Do you? I know. I mean, I'm no epidemiologist, and I'm certainly not, you know, a chemist, but it seems to me that it shouldn't be that hard, right? It's just well, a reaction. They've got to still be testing for viruses in general. Right. So in the meantime, the politicians that we trust to fix all this have tweeted out today. Today's bipartisan bicameral agreement on $8.3 billion in emergency coronavirus response funding package will allow us to deliver a coordinated whole of the government response needed to keep America safe. That's from the Speaker of the House. $8.3 billion. What are they going to do with this money, you might be asking? Oh, well, $3 billion for treatment and vaccine development. Is there a vaccine for the common cold? Nope. What do you think the chances of any vaccine for a coronavirus being are? Well, they may come out with a strain, right? Right. With, with... <laughs> but is it worth $3 billion? No. $2.2 billion in public health funding for prevention, preparedness, and response. Wash your hands. Wash your hands for 20 <laughs> seconds. That ought to get us some money, right? And $300 million to ensure Americans access to the vaccine. In other words, they're going to buy us all the vaccine, theoretically, instead of going through our insurance companies 
and there you go. Furthermore, this bill takes steps to prevent price gouging of these medicines developed with taxpayer dollars and allows an estimated $7 billion in low-interest SBA loans to small businesses impacted by this epidemic. So, again, you're going you're gonna to spend a lot of money on stuff that doesn't have anything to do with coronavirus at all. No. Nothing. But this is what our politicians do. While not a single one of them probably knows who Dr. Walter Williams is, who's the guy who stood in front of Congress and said, yeah, that's the protocol. That's what we do. If there's an infectious thing overseas, we we got a big 747 that we've compartmentalized out. We've had it since 2003. I think the Bush administration built this thing. The Obama administration mothballed it. Then uh, then it got re re you know reactivated. And nobody above the level of the Directorate of Operational Medicine has any clue about any of this stuff. And we wonder why nothing ever gets done. We wonder yeah. why our government seems incapable of responding to anything because they've already written the responses, you know, point blank. This is how we're going to do it. And the people that we voted for, the people that we elected have nothing to do with that. And they probably don't even know where the department, the director of operational medicine is, let alone who's there. Or who they report to. Or who they even report to. Why are we surprised by the reaction to all this? Why are, why are we again, reacting the way we're reacting? We're reacting as Trump called it a fake virus. No, he didn't. He said the reaction, the criticism was fake. Trump tweeted this about this back then. Now he's doing this over here. See? And yet the reality of it is, the way our government works, which is much like the British government back in the 80s, is this ponderous, inertial mass that doesn't like to be pushed where it doesn't want to go. And if it doesn't want to go where it wants, where you want it to go, that doesn't matter because they don't care what you want. They want to keep their phony baloney jobs, as Governor Lepetamine once said, right? And how do they do that? By spending $8.3 billion of your dollars on telling you to wash your hands <laughs> and doing nothing whatsoever Don't for the pangolins. They're not, you can fist bump. Yeah. Yeah. You, I saw a thing today with foot, feet bumping. Oh, People are doing feet bumping. <laughs> are they doing anything to save the pangolins over in China? I mean, that's no. the kind of thing we like to do, right? And in the meantime... I still think secretly deep down there are some people looking at this going, you know, if, if 40 million people died, which is the other thing I wanted to talk about, we don't have time today. We, we have no concept about death. We're not, we, we don't relate to death anymore. But if 40 million people died, what would happen to global warming? You can't tell me that there aren't some people out there going, hmm. Yeah. Right? Well, they've been decrying uh, overpopulation for years. Well, this would fix it, wouldn't it? Part of it. Either that or we could have Genghis Khan come back and... <laughs> Take care of it there. We got to get going. Um, just some quick quick notes. This will be the last Plausibly Live with Dave and Rodbo. We'll tell you more next week. We're not going away, but we're going to do things differently, all right? Take the time right now. Tell the people that matter in your life. You love them very much. You'd miss them if they weren't there, so don't pass up those opportunities. The Dave Bowman Show is a Slippery Fish Entertainment production for the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. For more information or to complain about how the show offended you, the text or voicemail number is 209-565-DAVE. For more information about the show, log on to thedavebowmanshow.com.